Welcome to Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. A look at the changing risk and resilience landscape with insights on the challenges facing businesses today and tomorrow. Hello, my name is David Hilgen, and today we're going to talk about hurricane season. I'll be speaking with Mike Whittakin, who is the Property Technical Director for Risk Engineering for the Zurich Services Corporation. Mike has more than 30 years of experience in the loss control profession. At Zurich, he focuses on helping customers protect themselves from internal floods and natural disasters. Mike has been involved in extreme weather event projects at the National Academy of Medicine and the American Meteorological Society and served as a member of the Community Resilience Panel for Buildings and Infrastructure Systems at National Institute of Standards and Technology. He earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Fire Protection Engineering from the University of Maryland. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Uh, David, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mike, uh, hurricane season is just around the corner. Uh, It officially begins on June 1st, but uh, one thing we learned from 2020 is that there's no telling when the first hurricanes will form and how much activity we'll see. Uh, Sure. So for 2021, uh, the forecast is updated the first week of June, the first week of July, and the first week in August, um, coming upon the height of hurricane season in in the fall. The uh, Colorado State University Tropical Meteorological Project has been ongoing now. This will be in its 38th year for forecasting the upcoming season's Atlantic Basin hurricane activity. Um, the 2020 forecast was based on a new standard methodology as well as output from two statistical dynamic models um, from the European um, meteorological societies. Um, these models show skill on a 25 to 40 years of historical data depending on the particular uh, forecast technique. So the extended range forecasts are fairly accurate at predicting how the hurricane season is going to go. That's, that's, that's remarkable that how accurate they are. How, how useful is it to have these, uh, these forecasts before the season starts? Um, it's very useful for um, pre-emergency planning and also preparedness. Uh, if we have an idea on how many hurricanes they're going to be, uh, how many likely landfall major hurricanes we're going to have, and if we have an idea uh, where they might make landfall. Uh, so that, that would all go into the uh, preparation and emergency preparedness phase uh, for the upcoming hurricane season. Okay. Before we get into what's ahead in 2021, uh, I want to take a look back at 2020. Last year, uh, forecasters predicted above average activity. Uh, they predicted 16 named storms, eight hurricanes, four major hurricanes, but um, 2020 more than exceeded expectations. Uh, some of the stats from last year, it was the most active and the fifth costliest Atlantic hurricane season on record. It featured a total of 30 named storms, 13 hurricanes, and six major hurricanes. Of the 30 named storms, 12 of them made landfall in the contiguous United States, breaking the record of nine set in 1960s. Uh, and I'll note that we've had two pandemics since then. 
Uh, and by the end of the season, we had run out of traditional hurricane names and had to use Greek letters to name them. Um, were you surprised by all the activity in the Atlantic last year? And what do you think was behind all these storms? Uh, David, I'm not surprised by the activity in 2020 um, as the sea surface temperatures, uh, particularly in the Atlantic Basin, were above normal. And the tropical rain season in Africa was also above normal. So this added to um, storm development off the coast of Africa. And as we know, they mostly moved uh, almost due west uh, across the lower Atlantic Basin um, through the Caribbean and, and then into the Gulf. Um, the initial forecast uh, probability of U.S. major hurricane landfall was estimated to be about 70% of the long period average. So when they come out and make those kind of statements, we can anticipate that we're going to have um, an active hurricane season. In addition to that, uh, the forecast also indicated, uh, which held true, uh, a weak La Nina condition uh, was going to be developing by the summer and fall during the height of hurricane season. Um, that was particularly important for us up here in the mid-Atlantic and the Northeast, um, not being able to push hurricanes out to sea. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Okay. You know, uh, 2020 could have, despite all the activity, could have been much worse for the most vulnerable coastal communities. What What made the difference last year? I think some communities like Lake Charles were better prepared. Um, we were very lucky in 2019 and 2020 uh, here in the upper Atlantic basin since the sea surface temperatures again off the eastern United States would have allowed hurricanes to maintain strength over warmer waters um, rather than decrease in strength like we normally see when they pass Cape Hatteras. Um, we've not had major hurricanes up here in the mid-Atlantic and the Northeast since the last hurricane cycle uh, that ended in 1962. Uh, and again, we had a weak La Nina in 2019 and 2020. We got lucky. So we're currently in a 30-year hurricane cycle uh, that's due to end in 2025. Uh, last year, you and I uh, talked about how the pandemic might affect claims and rescue responses uh, to these catastrophic storms. How did that end up playing out through uh, the last hurricane season? Uh, last year, um, in 2020, we made more use of desktop satellite aerial footage and associated software tools, uh, along with drone footage, uh, to really reduce the number of catastrophe responders on the ground. And I believe this technology trend uh, will continue, not only for hurricanes, but for other natural disasters. What role does climate change play uh, in these storms? Are we seeing more storms, uh, more intensity, more rainfall? Um, yes, more storms, uh, but more importantly, the storms will be more intense, and that is an issue for communities that have not had a hurricane landfall in more than three to four decades. Uh, we experienced during the 2020 hurricane season storms rapidly gaining intensity as they, as they approached landfall. Uh, normally, they decrease in intensity. Uh, last year was an anomaly we haven't seen in a long time. In addition, we're experiencing more torrential rainfall events as a result of these hurricanes. And even torrential rainfall events in general are occurring more frequently 
causing surface water flooding, which is known as uh, polluvial flooding. And that's really due to overtaxing uh, the local uh, municipality's stormwater system. And we've seen several of those events uh, in the past 12 months. Okay, what, uh, now I want to kind of get into the meat of this. What should businesses, homeowners, communities uh, take away from all this increased activity? What should they be doing now to prepare for the coming year and beyond? Absolutely. Annually, businesses should um, reassess their exposure to natural hazard events. Uh, this can be done through a concise or a complex, what's known as a hazard vulnerability analysis or an HVA. Um, this includes reviewing, revising preparedness plans, having mitigation contracts in place for repairs and critical supplies such as food and water. And if they need their employees at a specific location following an event, proper credentialing uh, is needed to pass beyond any checkpoints that get established um, during the disaster event. Communities must have a resilience plan and it should also be part of what is known as their comprehensive plan for development. The comprehensive plan uh, should include adoption of the latest model building and fire codes on a more frequent basis. We often see communities lag behind in adoption of model building codes up to the current code set. And there's been a lot of uh, strides made in uh, both uh, wind um, uh, design and also from flooding and earthquake. We know that uh, we know that hurricanes are massive and powerful storms. Um, most people tend to focus on the strength of the storm, uh, what they call the the Saffir Simpson hurricane wind scale, like uh, for instance, a category five being the strongest. Uh, are we focusing on the right thing? Is maximum wind strength the best determinant of the risk? Um, typically a hurricane making landfall, uh, we have wind, driving rain. If you're located close enough to the coast, we have storm surge. And in some cases, as we observed in 2020, tornadoes develop once the hurricane moves inland. Inland communities are at risk from the coast and they may experience torrential rain, street flooding and riverine flooding days after the hurricane uh, passes inland. The building envelope is extremely important. If the envelope is maintained, wind-driven rain and debris is prevented from entering the structure. The conditioning of the building space uh, can then be maintained following the event. I mean, from um, an air conditioning standpoint and also from a habitational standpoint. In some areas, the structures need to be raised high enough above the design flutter or uh, storm surge stage. For some occupancies, building condition is critical, particularly during hot summer months, maintaining emergency power systems and refueling agreements during a disaster is critical. And also that fully implemented community resilience plan will identify which sections of the built environment are at risk uh, from this type of event. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, Mike. Uh, but what, so what then is from all this that you just discussed, what is the number one loss our customers experience when a hurricane hits? Is it is it from the wind damage? Is it water damage caused by water intrusion or storm, storm surge or or flooding? 
What about business interruption? Um, and how does this impact our customers' uh, risk management? Sure. Uh, both wind damage and water intrusion are probably the two loss leaders during this type of event. Um, it is very important to have a thoroughly implemented inspection test and maintenance program, an ITM program for the building envelope. Um, over the years, we've gotten much better at maintaining the roof, uh, but more uh, attention is needed on the cladding, uh, the glazing and the doors uh, of a building. Uh, for certain occupancies, we're seeing an increase in the incorporation of envelope commissioning agents in new construction bringing this expertise into the new construction project has demonstrated an increase in the installation quality of the building envelope components and reducing losses. With respects to business interruptions, some occupancies are expected by the community to be up and operational following an event, and those would include hospitals, schools, fire stations, water and wastewater treatment plants, this greatly increases the community's recovery timeline. Well, you know, uh, Florida and the Gulf Coast are usually in the eye of the storm and, and all eyes are on those regions during hurricane season. But what about the Northeast United States? Uh, people, people remember Superstorm Sandy in 2012, which hit the coast of New Jersey, New York and New England. What would it look like if a major hurricane made landfall there today? What, what is and what is the likelihood of that? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the sea surface temperature in the upper Atlantic basin in 2019 and 2020 were well above normal. Um, this setup that we were in for a major hurricane in the upper Atlantic, we've not seen since the late 1930s and 1950s. Um, and just because we've not had these major hurricanes in several decades does not mean we should not let our guard down. Just because this happens in the Gulf almost every year doesn't mean that it can't happen up here in the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast. I think one, one interesting note is there's an extensive amount of existing building and infra infrastructure inventory in the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast. And this is all the more reason for concern and preparedness. Interesting. Well, as a uh, resident of the uh, Northeast, I'm hoping uh, we uh, we avoid the big one. Um, is there anything else? Uh, I think I've got all my questions. Is there anything else you, th you think people should know about the uh, upcoming sure. hurricane season? Sure. I mean, with respect to resiliency planning, I just want to mention that in, you know, in 2015, NIST released the Community Resilience Planning Guide for Building and Infrastructure Systems. The resiliency plan really is the ability of the community to prepare for anticipated hazards, adapt to changing conditions, and withstand and recover rapidly from disruptions, whether they be technological, human-caused, or natural hazards. Each community really needs to address these challenges through a practical approach that takes into account the community's social goals and their dependency on the built environment or the building and infrastructure system. Without an implemented resilience plan in place, we see communities that in some cases don't recover well as a result of people and families relocating from the area and never returning. Uh, this is a significant impact on recovery and the so social and economical conditions uh, within those communities. 
Well, Mike, that's all I have uh, for now. I, I want to thank you uh, for sharing your time and your expertise with us, uh, the Future of Risk podcast. Thank you, David. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at ZurichNA.com and join us next week. The information in this audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained herein may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you.